Welcome to the Life of a Gentleman podcast, the number one podcast that motivates you to be your best with conversations about business, fashion, and living the gentleman's lifestyle. We interview the hottest influencers, content creators, and business owners so you get the inside story. We'll also discuss entrepreneurship and inspire you to chase after your dreams. Whether you're looking to advance your career, increase your style, or just discover the best new products, you're in the right place. And ladies, we know you're listening. This show isn't just for the fellas. It's about living your best life. And now, here's your host, award-winning author, entrepreneur, and modern-day gentleman, Richard Taylor. Hey, Rich, let's start the show. Hey, everybody. Thank you for that introduction. Guys, welcome back to another edition of the podcast. So glad you could join us. And today is special. We're finishing up our interview with Dan from Articles of Style. This is part two. If you haven't heard part one, go back, check it out. You're going to love it. A lot of great information for those that are starting a business from the point of just having a hobby and then turning it into a business after getting educated. Now, today, we're going to learn more about how Dan did this, how the business has grown over the years, and what they're doing in the future. And if you're not following Articles of Style on Instagram, you're missing out. Give them a follow and get ready for an amazing part two of the interview. Also, Dennis is joining us this week, and we are talking about diamonds and how to pick out the perfect diamond and in particular lab grown diamonds if you don't know what a lab grown diamond is dennis will break down what it is why you should research it and how it could save you money and also make you or your loved one look amazing last but not least one more power-packed interview with somebody who is a self-made multi-millionaire and author. This interview is basically in the no fluff zone. Guys, there is no fluff here. I took a whole page of notes while I interviewed him. He is the largest minority owned car dealer in Louisiana and he breaks down how you can focus on one thing, grow your business and have success in whatever you're trying to do. And he gives real actionable points on how to do this real practical business advice that can help you no matter what field you're trying to go into. Guys, this is an amazing show. I'm going to stop talking. We're going to dive into the interviews and let's get started. And now it's time for this week's segment of The Gentleman's News. Exclusive interviews with exceptional people discussing all things gentlemen, from business to fashion to lifestyle, industry leaders, authors, and more. This is The Gentleman's News. You talked about uh, playing college ball. I know you probably played a lot in the Detroit area. Can you still hoop? Can you still can you still put it down? What? <laughs> Uh, I still got it, man. I still got it. Um, I played in this summer league. We just we just smacked this team by like fifty yesterday. Nice. Uh, I still got it. like I still got game, but it's just the first thing that goes is like your wind, you know. Like yeah. I just can't. I can't get up and down the court the same way. And then when you're tired, you just like your shots are flat. You can't do as many dribble moves. Like 
So I'm like, I still got it, but I'm super conservative with the energy, you know, expenditure, you know? I get it. I get it. Well, it's nice that you're still active, though. I mean, that that's actually uh, great in itself, especially, you know, juggling a business. Sometimes we get bogged down. We, we forget to uh, get out there and, and, and some of yeah, our some gotta, of our other hobbies, you know? Outlet. Yeah. Yeah, like hoops, like basketball is one of the only things that you know, totally takes my mind off of the business stuff, you know? Yeah. Uh, when- and that's like, that's like critical. Like I always feel a lot better and I always work a lot better like after I hoop for the next day because I was able to shut it shut it completely down and, and concentrate on something else for a few hours you know makes a lot uh, of sense I think a lot of people in the sort of like hustle mentality they're they kind of forget to have, it goes back to that work life balance you know like you should you should always be doing things that really take your full attention um, and take you out of your kind of day to day grind you know yeah, no, I get it. And and when you're out there just playing, uh, time goes by. You're not thinking about business. You're not thinking about anything, and it's a it's a great release. So let me ask you: since you grew up in Ontario, um, would you be a Raptors fan, or did you have another team before the Raptors really started? <laughs> I was this year. <laughs> yeah, I figured this year you were. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I got a couple friends who are diehard Raptors fan. My, my best friend has season tickets. Uh, and he's, he was telling me all season about how they're going to go far, they're going to win it. And if you, if you study the Raptors' history, you know that they kind of burn out in the playoffs. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah, right. And then come like second or third round, I like heavily jumped on the bandwagon. <laughs> uh, it was it was great, man. It was great, great to see the city win. Uh, but I, I don't really have a team. I like to watch certain players certain team certain you know groups that play the game uh, I think finally the league is going to get to a point where it's exciting again and wide open you know oh uh, exactly that's what I'm most excited about you know it, it's it's really not a two team race three team race anymore it's wide open um, you, you know I'm here in Michigan so I'm still with the Pistons and uh, you can pray for me. <laughs> See, so so now you know, Dan. Now you know, man. Rich is a loyal dude, man. I'm still with the Pistons, man. That's loyalty right there. <laughs> I mean, that is that is one of the best examples of loyalty I heard in a while. <laughs> That's right, man. That's right. That is. You guys have some dark years down there, man. Whew. Yeah, it's been some tough times. I'll tell you time. what, though, Detroit, Detroit is on the comeback, though. It's not as far as basketball, but um, as far as, like, people making stuff. And uh, the city seems to have a little resurgence going on. It does. It really does. And that and that's the exciting part about it, um, seeing that really happen, the turnaround. It, it's, it's finally happening. Um, so to be here in it is, is great. And um, I'm loving that. So... Since since you're talking about you know other people making things, what are what are some of your uh, some of the up and comers that you that you have your eye on, if if any? And it does it doesn't have to be in menswear specifically and, and right in your lane, but do you see any any sure. businesses that are that are really doing some good things that people should take note of? That's a good question. I mean, I don't really watch a lot of the, the young up-and-comers so much. Uh, 
I, I do pay attention a lot, obviously, to the, to the custom space online. Uh, the one guy I have a lot of respect for, really look to as, as someone who's done it in a big way, is, is, is Seth Skirrett from Proper Club. Nice. Uh, yeah. Those guys have really, I mean, he's, he's really built a, a, a great business, a, a really successful business of doing big numbers and, and really doing a good job managing data and automating custom fitting and stuff like that. Uh, as far as young up-and-comers, you know, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. It's kind of like when I was blogging, people would say, like, what, what blogs do you read, you know? Yeah, you're so busy. Like, well, yeah, when you're when you're so wrapped up in your own shit, it's the last thing you want to do is like leave your website to go look at another one. You know, if I'm leaving sense. my website, then I'm going to spend time with my wife or going to basketball court, or so it's you know tracking the the sort of market who's who's up and coming. It's it's like a whole different job almost. You know. Uh, I do think there's a lot of exciting things happening as far as like companies that are trying to make businesses like mine better and easier. Like you're seeing a lot of like, for example, smartphone measuring technology or uh, fabric rendering softwares that make, uh, you know, you take a swatch and make a mannequin out of it. So I look at things like that just to see as like components that can be added to us. And a lot of those are like startups that are super niche going for like a business to business approach, you know? Yeah. Uh, but it, it's the Wild West, man. It's like, that's the funniest thing about social media, you know? It's like, you can have 10 people who are all addicted to social media in the same field and they can all be looking at different accounts. I, yeah, you know, I've had that happen. Yeah, discussions with people. You're, you're like, I never heard of them, you know, or this and that, and they're and they're, they're raving about somebody. I, it's like I never heard of them, but uh, sometimes people yeah, just don't hit like your right radar, up, you know. Yeah, and it's right up your alley. I mean, I think if you're a young person, it's even worse, you know. Like, I can't tell you. I, I come across these kids that got five million followers. I'm like, whoa! Like, obviously, I've never heard of you, but there's so many of these, you know. Uh, so it's it's really uh, it's really interesting. I think a lot of people like a lot of people can start brands and make money in a, in, a, in such a niche way that uh, there won't be another like super major brand. You know, like the idea of like a, a national like a Ralph Lauren. You know, like a global brand. Um, it's just going to be so much harder because. Uh, everyone is just so in their own bubble like they're getting their own explore page curated to them you know that's true there's so much more variety so much more to choose from that something might speak just to you or just to this segment of the market and and, and so many more people doing it you know yeah like that too person, like, it's like become the the most sought after gig is to be a quote unquote influencer you know so you got millions of people trying to to go after that that market share you know so it's it spreads it really thin you know and that's why I'm not super hot on like influencer marketing because um, it's just it's kind of like uh, it gets less and less valuable as days go on you know you just brought up a great point I, I would love for you to speak to that I, I did notice that you you guys in particular you don't do a lot of that influencer marketing um, now 
I have, I have done so with my business in the past, but over the past few years, I've moved farther and farther away from it because it seems to be not as effective as it once was. Um, did you guys purposely stay out of that influencer marketing area? I know that your price point is much higher, so it's not like you're going to be giving things away like that, but a lot of businesses do. So was was that on purpose that you guys decided to stay out of that? Um, it's a good question uh, about influencer marketing. I mean, listen, we're, we're a luxury brand, you know? Yeah. So, you know, the average influencer is, is it's really about finding the right fit with an influencer, you know? Like, we we sell to wealthy guys, you know? If you're buying a $2,000 suit, uh, you know, you're, you're making, you're making a pretty good wage. So if you're a, a young influencer model type cat, I mean, a lot of your audience is probably really young. Yes. Uh, they, they also probably don't really care about your message. Like I think mass influencer marketing works really well. If you have a really cheap kind of, uh, kind of product that you're trying to sell, you know, and it's, and it's more about numbers, but, I'm much more interested in uh, finding the right. I don't need a million clients, you know. I need the right guys, uh, and those guys. I don't know. Like, I don't know if my average customer is looking at Instagram influencers, you know. Uh, so, for our, for my business in particular, I don't think. Although you might think it is because we have kind of the blog background, I don't know if that's the best place for me to spend marketing dollars, you know. Uh, I actually wrote a long piece about this uh, on our blog that's uh, advice for fashion influencers because we get every day we get a couple you know influencer people hitting us up that want to you know want to collaborate which sounds like they're trying to get free product most of the time but uh, you know there's just no return on investment there you know like if I'm giving you a suit, like I'm essentially giving you like 900 bucks, you know? So you got to sell at least two suits for me to even break even, you know? Uh, and the chances of your audience, especially if you're repeatedly running these sponsored content posts and there's always something for sale and your audience is sort of getting drowsy, you know? Uh, the odds are I'm just not going to really find a customer you know, like people don't really understand the metrics. Like you got to do the math. It's like if you have a hundred thousand followers, well, only twenty percent of your following is going to see every post, and only you know five percent of those people are going to click on a link. And with our conversion rate, only you know one percent of people are even going to consider buying the product. So even if you have a million followers, I'm only getting like two hundred visits to my website. You know. So it's like, what is 200 business my website worth? I could definitely, I would do better on uh, like even just Facebook advertising and targeting people that way, you know? So I don't, I think for what's out there as far as digital marketing and, and what you can track with analytics, you're, you're just like, the, the average influencers doesn't know anything. They just want to get some product or some money and they're not, there's no real low return on investment there unless you have a really cheap product that most people can afford, you know? That, but the luxury brand, it's like, it's not a great, I don't think it's a great solution. 
everything you just said, I hope people took notes because yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Now, influencer marketing, it can be great. It can be very effective. But like you said, you have to, you have to know your business. Every business is different. It doesn't work for everybody. And it doesn't make sense when you can spend marketing dollars in a different way. I appreciate you bringing that uh, to our attention. Now, if, if there is somebody who wanted to purchase a suit from you and they're not in the New York area, how could they go about purchasing a suit? Are they still able to do that without having a personal one-on-one fitting with you all? Do they have to be in your presence? Yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. That, I mean, that's a question we get so often. It's actually frustrating because it shows that we're not promoting our value proposition. Like, we, you know, 80% of our business is online. We have customers in like 35 countries, you know? Like, we are pioneering the bespoke fitting from home. So, people who think they need to come to New York, get measure and all that, it's, it's almost like, you know, a slap in the face. It's almost like, uh, of course, if you live in New York and you're going to be there, sure, come see the fabrics, come get measure, get have a whiskey, chat it up, you know, it's an experience, but... Uh, we're very proud to say that we have the same results whether you're uh, doing this from home or doing it in, in, in the shop, you know? So uh, that was one of the reasons I didn't even want to open a New York showroom because some people would think that uh, they either have to come in or it's like a preferential treatment if they do come in. But my mind is always on the guy in Lansing, Michigan, who you know, want to get the same experience as if he was doing a, a bespoke suit in, in a place like New York. So, uh, you know, our whole thing is like, what we do is we do the fitting from home. So you fill out a profile on our website, you tell us kind of your basics, your height, your weight, your sizes, uh, best you can. And, and then we make you a custom try-on garment that's cut just for you based on your profile. We send that to you and you do what's called a fitting, which is trying it on, taking pictures, answering questions about it. And then we have a team of tailors that review the pictures to make adjustments, read your feedback, get to know your preferences, make the adjustments to the fit, and then make the garment that you bought. So that first-time client goes through that experience, then from there you kind of locked in. So that is the innovation that we've sort of provided. We can meet with you whether you're trying to travel to New York or not. Yeah, that's really convenient. And it's nice to know because people ask that all the time, you know, do do you have to go there, you know, make a special trip? That's an added, you know, I guess. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, there's guys who like, you know, they fly to you or they fly you in, you book a hotel, you multiple fittings. I mean, who can afford that, you know? Like if you're if you're doing that, like it's just it's just upping the cost of the, of the product, you know? So what we saw was an opportunity to sort of combine the human service element. Like when you go to a bespoke tailor, what is so good, what is so special about it? Someone there is going to take care of you, you know? They're going to take your measurements, they're going to do your fitting, they're going to explain the fabrics to you so you don't have to feel like you're going to make a mistake. But everyone online basically took that whole service element out and said, make the client do it themselves so that we can scale this business. So then you had places like Indochino trying to teach people how to measure themselves. And that's just a disaster. First of all, you're not going to measure yourself right. And even if you do, how does the people making the suit know how you want it to fit? So 
what we did was bring the fitting, the physical, like try this on, tell me how you feel, let me take a look at it, I'm an expert, I'll fix it. Uh, that's sort of our big uh, separating factor from sort of every other brand. So we've done this with people all over the world and had tremendous success. I mean, we've had, you know, less than 20 returns in four years. Uh, so it's, it, the proof is kind of in the pudding, you know? Yeah, no, that that is very smart. The fact that you get to try it on. So once they get it home, okay, they take pictures of it, send it back to you guys, you analyze it. And uh, they're still getting they're still getting kind of hands on treatment. Now, the other question that people have and I have to ask is if they can't see the fabrics in person, do you also send those out to people or do they just look on the computer and you guys yeah, make, make yeah, do a we'll Skype? Send, uh, yeah, you can you can order any swatches. You send there's something you see on the site that you're interested in. Um, we can mail you physical swatches of fabric. We do that all. I mean, we do that all the time. Like that's where something we're doing every day, you know. Um, so that's that's a huge one, right? It's like I can see the fabric. There's advantages to e-commerce in that you can show how the garment looks really well. That's one of the problems. Like when we created this business, we were trying to we were trying to solve all the problems with bespoke tailoring. One of them is when you look at a fabric swatch, you don't know what it looks like as a, as a suit or as a garment. So we can style the garments, you know, show them how they look, show all the angles, but can't feel it. So in order to feel the fabrics, what we do is we mail swatches to clients. And we're doing that all the time. Yeah, that's actually a great feature. And on your website, you guys do an amazing job of, of showing how the suit looks and styling it up, giving people ideas and maybe get them to try something that they haven't thought about or a different color that they thought wasn't for them. Or, or pattern, whatever the case may be, but you have a lot of different opportunities to see what it's going to look like finished. That's a great job. Yeah, and that's a challenge, you know. It's like we, we kind of balance. Like when we first started, the whole concept was um, eliminate all the frustration there is with custom clothing or bespoke clothing, you know. So the biggest problem is just like decision fatigue. Like there's way too many options. Too many fabric options, lining options, details, whatever, you know? So when we first launched, we were actually, there was only like 10 suits, eight or 10 suits that you could buy and you couldn't design them at all. And it was like, you know, we're a designer brand, you buy the suit, we'll fit it to you, and that's it, you know? Um, of course, people ask, you know, can I, you know, this one's double-breasted, I want it single-breasted, is that, can I do that? Or I love this fabric, do you have it in green or burgundy or whatever? So we have these opportunities to make these garments so as time went on we sort of started to add more options but we're very much trying to limit the customizations and design our own product you know instead of saying you can make whatever you want it's very hard to make a brand if you're saying hey customer you can make whatever you want I don't care it's much better to make a brand to say you know we believe in this fabric. This is what we're about. This is how you should design it. You wear it here, here, and here. You wear it with this, this, and this. Boom. I solved this problem for you. Uh, but that's like a give and take. You know, different customers want more options, less hand-holding. Some customers want to not have any questions whatsoever and just have someone do it for them. So that's something like we talked about very early on in this conversation. It was about like constantly pivoting, but we're always pivoting there. 
you know? Like, we're listening to our customers that say, I can't choose, you know, I'm staying up at night because I can't choose between this, this, and this. Or, you know, how come I can't get this option? Whatever it is, you, you got to kind of find that middle ground. Like, it's still undefined for us as far as how much we're a designer brand that fits, that doesn't sell clothing, that doesn't fit. Or we're a brand that you come to us and design, play designer and, and do whatever, you know, make whatever you you dream of, you know? Yeah. I, I never really thought of it that way. And you're right. There's a lot of people out there that let you just do anything you want. And when you do that, I guess you run the risk of the customer is kind of in the driver's seat and Ooh, yeah. They're, 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 I mean, there's so many customers that don't want that. They don't want to do whatever they want. They don't know anything and they're okay with that. You know? They'd rather walk into Gucci and be like, damn, that's fly. I want that. Let me buy that. You know how much fucking clothing Gucci sells? Um, like, there's so much opportunity for a designer brand to offer custom fitting. That was part of our original ethos, you know? Because these guys, like, the guy who knows, who considers himself a made-to-measure expert and has done this a million times, like, that's a super small percentage of the overall audience, you know? That's true. Like, most of these guys, they just want you to make them look fly, you know? They want to feel confident. They want girls to compliment them. You know, they don't They don't care about the color of their buttholes and stuff like that. Like, that's, <laughs> if you're pandering to that guy, then you're just, like, you're, you're, you're fighting for table scraps against a lot of other people, you know? Because there's just not that many of those guys. Like, most guys don't know what a buttonhole is. Or maybe not a buttonhole, but, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I follow like you. They don't, they don't really care. They just want to look black, you know? Yeah, and then, and then when they come to you guys, I mean, you give them these ideas, you give them these visuals of how it could look, how they could style it. I, I think this is this is perfect, the way that you guys are setting this up. And it also makes you different from a lot of the other people out there, like you said. What's the future look like for you moving forward? Uh, hopefully one day owning our own production. Uh, I, I've been throwing this idea of farm to closet. And that's really the guiding light. Sort of like we talked about 10, 20 year plan. That's my 100 year plan. Whoa, yeah. Um, you know, something that'll keep going after I'm gone is the idea of being able to control the production start to finish. Uh, what's most interesting about our business and, and what I've learned about custom clothing is that the brands, people who sell stuff are super advanced and, and very modern, right? People are selling on Instagram. They're, they've really torn down the barriers of doing editorials. You've got the same person doing modeling, photography, styling, you know. Uh, people are doing a really good job of modernizing the look and feel of brands, but the truth is the, the production that fulfills these orders is actually way behind. Uh, the, the actual factories that make these garments are nowhere near the level of technology and transparency that you get from the front end of the brand. So, you know, if we have kind of 99 problems, 98 of them come from something to do with fulfillment of production. So our future inevitably one way or another is we have to control and own the whole chain you know like I was talking to one of my mentors the other day and he said you know if you don't if you don't actually make a product 
then you're always going to be capped at how valuable you can be. You're basically just a middleman, you know? It's uh, very true. And there's just, you know, so I want to create the first, uh, sort of the first ever farm to closet, custom clothing, digitally focused business where, you know, we can raise the sheep, shear the wool, build the fabric, uh, make the garment, customize it however we want and share that entire experience and sort of give the customer a live view of this garment being made all the way through production while we're using content to educate them and really tie the content and the education proponent into the production cycle. Um, I think that's the strongest business that we could make. Man, you know what, Dan? That that actually blew my mind. Um, I love farm. <laughs> I love I love farm to table restaurants. I never thought about farm to closet. Yeah, I mean, that that never that never even crossed my mind before. If you do that, you pull that off. Um, next drinks on me. So. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it goes along with a lot of what's going on, and like you said, with the restaurants, it's like it's, it's not just the restaurants; it's the culture, right? It's like yeah. the, the hipsters showing up and asking where the chickens came from, right? Yep. Um, so there's a lot of, I think there's a backlash against things like fast fashion that uh, are extremely detrimental to not only the environment but also the consumer, really. Um, so. I think that people are going to be more invested in where their stuff they buy comes from and how long it lasts and how they can cut down on their consumption and, and carbon footprint and all of these things, along with the fact that the customer now wants to know everything, wants to be educated. So if you can combine those things, be both the educator and the producer uh, in a sustainable and ethical way, then I think long-term you can, you can really, you know, keep long-term returning customers and uh, really create a business that no one, that would, that would create an enormous barrier for another business to try to compete with you, right? Like you talk, we talked about these, uh, how easy it is to become a custom clothing and how many of them there are. Well, if we were doing that, we'd be in a league of our own. Yeah, you, you would. Know? Yeah. And, and that's kind of that's the answer to that problem, right? It's sure this guy can show up and measure you and make a suit in China, but can he do this, this, and this and tell you, show you where this is from and, and make this like this and show you steps? And so I think content uh, and e commerce have already blended. I think the next move is content and production blending through e-commerce uh, and then you get a full picture of what you're buying and once you experience that it's going to be hard to buy from anyone else I, I could totally see that um, that's actually got me really excited and I think everybody everybody's going to want to stay tuned follow your journey because you're an innovator and who knows what to be yeah, you, you have to be to stay in business. And I mean, you guys have had great success. You're, you're headed towards more farm to closet. I, I think you need to go ahead and trademark that while you're at it. And uh, <laughs> um, let everybody know before we close out, let everybody know your Instagram, your website, how they can keep in touch and learn more. And, sure. and, and of course, 
guys, read the blog. They're still dropping knowledge on us. There's a lot of good articles. Um, I was on there earlier, so I got a lot of reading to do tonight to catch up on. So, Dan, let, let them know. Uh, I appreciate that, man. Yeah, we're, you know, our brand is Articles of Style. Um, you can find us online at articlesofstyle.com. Our Instagram and all of our social media is at Articles of Style. Uh, and if you guys want to hit me directly, I'm Dan at Articles of Style on the email. I love talking to guys about this stuff, entrepreneurship, innovation, uh, you know, old meets new. Uh, I really appreciate what you're doing, man, and for having me on this. I think, you know, this is, this is really good for, for us to have this conversation. It's easy to get bogged down in the day-to-day, but it's great to sort of reflect and share kind of what the longer-term vision is because a lot of times it's not something that, that people are, are privy to. So uh, I hope this gets a lot of spins, and uh, maybe we can do it in a few years when I start buying some sheep, you know what I'm saying? When you start buying some sheep, you hit me up. I'll be there shoveling. I'll be there, sh- <laughs> and I'll be there shearing. I got some. I got some farm work for you, bro. I got some kids you can use. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Dan, I seriously appreciate it, man. This has been an awesome interview, and uh, like I said at the beginning, you've been an inspiration to me and a lot of other people. So, thank you for your time on the life of a gentleman. I appreciate you, man. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Dan from Articles of Style as much as I did because you really got to learn how to grow a business when you just start out as a hobby. And if you remember from part one, Dan just started out blogging and here it is 10 years later, he's got an amazing company making high-end premium menswear and after going back and educating himself. So really it's a testament to all of us. Hey, if there's something you want to do, Go after your dreams. Now, we're about to get into the interview segment with Dennis Stiles. And at the beginning, I talked about lab-grown diamonds. If you don't know what these are, you're about to find out. And you'll thank us after this is done. This is one of the most informative segments that we've had in quite a while. This segment is brought to you by Harrison Blake Apparel. Harrison Blake Apparel is the number one spot for men's monthly subscription. If you want to get delivered to your home one tie plus four matching accessories every month for the low price of $25, you need to jump on their website. It's harrisonblakeapparel.com. You can also follow them on Instagram at wearlapelpins. And now, a special announcement. For the past five years, Harrison Blake Apparel has been building their business And now you're able to get high quality, made to measure custom suits specified just for you. So your style, your ideas, your creations, perfectly fitting, delivered to your home. If you're interested in that, get in touch. Harrison Blake Apparel. Thank you for being the official sponsor of The Life of a Gentleman. Also, guys, we love the feedback that we're getting. And we started doing something special on Instagram, and that is asking for you guys, in addition to leaving the iTunes review, if you want to be featured on the podcast and have your voice heard, leave us a voice message through Instagram. And today I'm going to play the first message and you guys can have the opportunity to do the exact same thing. Give us your feedback. Here's what one of our listeners had to say. 
start from the beginning, but it seemed like I skipped a few, but I'm gonna listen to every single one. And I just wanna say that, just like you said, you cannot, you, I'm talking to you now, you cannot stop with these podcasts. It's so much information, keep pushing them, because eventually somebody like me, just like me, is going to start listening to your podcast. And um, like I, I, I really enjoy what you're doing. I'm glad that you came across my story, and you know you took the time to follow me back, and you know, and you, you know, you tell me you appreciate me. Like, like that's the type of things that we need that people don't even do anymore. You know, nobody's empathetic. Everybody. Don't believe that people matter. Know that you're going to continue to do big, big things. And, um, you know, hopefully, maybe in a couple years, whenever, whenever it comes, if God wills, uh, you know, I'll be one of your success stories as far as on your podcast. But thank you so much and keep doing what you're doing. Thanks, Ken. All right, guys, there you have it. A little bit of feedback. And if there was a little noise in the background, that's okay. Guys, we want to get this feedback and we want to keep pushing this show and make it a community and make it interactive. So thank you for the feedback. Big shout out this week to our friend and listener, Wilder underscore the underscore incredible. And the incredible has a K in it. Guys, if you want to be heard, Send us your voicemail and we'll feature you next. Now let's get into the interview with Dennis Styles. Hey guys, once again on the podcast with my good friend, Dennis Styles. And today we are going to be talking about something that we've never discussed on the show before. I'm excited, Dennis. How's it going, man? I'm doing well, my friend. It's uh, good to be back on the show again. Another week, another episode and this episode here is going to be probably one of my favorite subjects to tackle. I'm going to be talking about fashion today, so we're going to talk about the big switch. What do you have in mind? We are going to be doing what, you know, this time of year, Rich, uh, there's a lot going on in society. And one of the main things that's really, really hot right now is lab-grown diamonds and couples and loved ones getting engaged. And um, I'm going to dive in into that. Uh, this phenomenon of lab-grown diamonds has really been taking off uh, over the last five to ten years. And it's become a staple as far as, uh, you know, couples looking for ring, getting that right size ring, you know, that right cut, right quality for... 30% of the cost of a regular mine diamond. All right, I'll, let me stop you right there. I want to break this down because this is something new for a lot of people. You said lab-grown diamonds. For people that don't know what that is, you usually just walk into a jewelry store and you think, diamonds, all right, somebody dug this up out of a mine, out of the ground. So how does it work? What's the difference between what's traditionally in our head and lab-grown diamonds? Good question. So let's dive into the lab-grown diamonds. They are produced above ground, which compared to a regular mine diamond, which has been around for billions of years. Uh, it took a while to discover a, a real diamond. So uh, 
Real diamonds are mine, and lab real diamonds are produced above ground in a laboratory. Not mine from the earth. All right, now that we've got that out the way, let me ask the next question that people are probably wondering. If it's lab grown, are you? is this like a knockoff, like cubic zirconia or something like that? Or is this still considered by industry standards to be, you know, a quality gemstone? No, these are actually, lab diamonds are chemically, physically, and identically to mine diamonds, Rich. So they're not artificial, they're not, they're not draconian. Um, the only difference is, the reason why the markup price is low is because the labor cost. There is, they are produced in the laboratory. So this is how, this is how it goes, right? as far as the process goes for, uh, for lab grown diamonds. The heat of the lab grown diamond is placed in a chamber, then it's exposed to heat. Once that heat stimulates the crystal growth and the seed is removed, and the surface of the crystal is then conditioned with the laser to kind of like give it an optimized diamond growth. So that, the condition with the laser is what uh, optimizes the, the diamond growth to the size that you want it, whether you want a two carat or a three carat or four carat. And then once that diamond is, uh, surface is conditioned, that's when the seed is returned to the chamber and then it reaches its desired size. And then the diamond is just mine and cut, just like a regular diamond. All right, perfect. So basically, if I'm understanding you correctly, and those listening, we're following along. So to the naked eye, when we walk in, the average Joe, and we're picking out that engagement ring for that special somebody, we're not going to be able to tell the difference between a lab-grown diamond and a regular, quote-unquote, mine diamond. Not at the not at the naked eye. You probably gonna have to put it in the light box. That's the only way. Uh, so if you walk into a jewelry store and you show it to a professional uh, jeweler, he's not gonna tell the difference. So let's do this. Let's say a couple walks in, right? And you are looking for a one carat, you know? And you're looking at the mine diamonds and you see that it's worth about five thousand. Okay. And you look at the last room right next to it. Same one carat. It's worth thirty five. Maybe four thousand. So right there and there, twenty five percent off. And same color grading, um, and the same size. They're both for one carrier, but one is cheaper than the other. Man, there's really not looking like there's a lot of downside to going with the lab grown diamonds at this point. It sounds like this is a great way to get more bang for your buck. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a big fan of it. I think the only downside it will be the resale value. I don't know if you're going to get the same amount uh, if you wanted to upgrade a lab-grown diamond, uh, you know, and convert it into a bigger diamond. Uh, that's the only downside I can see, Rich, uh, the resale value. It's not going to be the same as a mine diamond. All right, but if it's for something, you know, an engagement ring or something like that, more than likely people are going to hold on to that pretty much for a lifetime, we hope. And so at that point, that's pretty much a wash, right? Exactly. I mean, there's two, a couple of things you want to do um, when buying a lab grown diamond. First thing you want to do is make sure the color gradient is uh, at least an H. 
no more than uh, you don't want to get to the J part. It's gonna have a lot of blemishes and it's gonna be a little cloudy. All right, you know what? Hold on, Dennis. Before don't. Hold on a second. I don't. I don't want you to go too far because you're throwing out some terms that might just go right over people's heads. So I want to slow up for a second. Let's just take it one step at a time. When you talk about the grading, you threw out the letter H. Where does the grading start? And give us the sliding scale down to the H. Good question. So it usually starts at about a DEF, and then uh, it, it that's where the price of the diamond is really higher. But if you want to sit at a nice grading color level and still not, you know, pay too much, you want to stick to H. H is near colorless, which means that you're you're in between a perfect color, like near colorless uh, diamond ring, or near colorless diamond ring. So uh, you want to stick to the H, um, maybe an I. But uh, once you get past the J, then uh, the color of the diamond is going to be a little bit secluded. All right, so we appreciate you breaking that down for us. Any other things we should know just in general about diamond shopping? And it doesn't have to pertain just to the uh, lab-grown diamonds, but just some things to watch out for so when we walk in the jewelry store, nobody's taking us for a ride. Uh, make sure you understand the four C's, you know, four C's of, uh, you know, buying a diamond and have them explain to you, uh, you know, the caraway. Uh, the color, the clarity, and all that good stuff. Uh, it's important when buying a diamond that you educate yourself on that particular diamond because look at it this way, Rich. When you buy, when you're proposing to somebody, and usually, you know, a guy, when he walks into the jewelry store, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't know what's going on. Uh, maybe the woman will give him a picture of what she wants. Uh, and if he can't find that particular ring, have somebody special order that for you. Use every resource in a jewelry store that you can. You know, and uh, hopefully, you know, you guys find that perfect diamond ring for your significant other because women like size now. Like I said, if you go with the lab room, you're going to save money and you're still going to have, you know, chemically and physically, it's going to be the same thing as a diamond. But the markup cost is going to be 30% off. So you want to buy a ten thousand dollar ring? You're gonna only pay seven thousand with the lab grown. Now let me ask you this: This is gonna strictly be opinion, but let's say you're a traditionalist and your lady's not going with you to help, quote unquote, pick out this ring for the special occasion, and you're in the jewelry store and. Like you said, there's a savings there. One is ten thousand, one is seven thousand with the lab grown. When you make that decision to, hey, you know what? Let me save a little cash. Do you need to explain this to your significant other, or you know, uh, kind of break this down for them to understand, or is it basically something like, hey, a diamond is a diamond. Um, we don't need to get into the specifics. Nobody can tell with the naked eye when she's at her job or with her family showing it off. Nobody's going to really call her on it. So um, what people don't know doesn't hurt. Uh, wh what do you what do you think about that? Yeah, that's a very good question. It's what I recommend you guys do if you're buying a solitaire. A solitaire is a single diamond ring that has, that the setting has no diamonds around it. 
just one single big bang. So women like that because it's a clean cut. The good thing about those specific rings, Rich, is that it comes with the grading report. That grading report is like a card, a passport that is attached. It tells you how the diamond, when the diamond is mined, the quality of that diamond. So if you buy the mine diamond, it's going to tell you when it was mined. You're buying the lab gold diamond, it's going to tell you everything you need to know about that lab gold diamond from color to cut to clarity. So that way, you can show that as a proof, you know, that you bought, you buying a ring that's worth something. You know what I mean? And women want to see that. Because now you're the car, you, you're either going to put it on the wallet, they're going to show it to their friends on, look at what my husband, my future husband bought me. And I have the proof here of, um, a beautiful beautiful man dennis i actually want to say uh thank you for this information because um when you kind of proposed this subject uh my my ears perked up because this is not something that you guys can get everywhere this is information that you're only going to get on a podcast like this the life of a gentleman and from somebody with the expertise and the background of Dennis Styles. If people want to connect with you, Dennis, if they got more questions or they need some help picking out that perfect diamond, how can they reach you? They reach me on Instagram at Dennis underscore Styles, and uh, I want to thank everybody. And I want to give you guys something different today. Uh, yeah, fashion is you know it's cool and everything. We love it, but this is real life stuff that we actually do. You know, people are actually get engaged. And they actually need help in finding that perfect uh, ring. The reason why couples go together sometimes to pick out that perfect ring because the lady doesn't trust the guy making that decision, rich. <laughs> so I'm here to help. So if you have any questions on picking out that perfect diamond, and uh, it's the cost, remember that the live grown diamonds are chemically, they are real diamonds. So. Uh, you know, they're not keeping Chicago yet, so that's another option that you have, and they'll cut the cost down. It's a no-brainer. Sounds like definitely a good option if you're on a budget or you want to get more bang for your buck. Guys, stay tuned for the next episode because we'll be back with another great topic, and I'm looking forward to what we do the rest of the season. And don't forget, if you want to be featured on the show, you have a story that wants to be told, get in touch with Dennis or myself. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, guys, don't forget to get that grading report on that ring. That way you can hold on to that for the rest of your life, man. That's proof of, you know, your ceremony. All right. Appreciate it, Dennis. Take care, guys. Now, it's time for the Entrepreneur Spotlight. Real professionals, real business owners, and entrepreneurs drop in and drop jewels on us. Looking to learn from others that have done it? Ready to get your business really rolling? Sit back and buckle up. Our experts are ready to inspire. Let's go. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the interview portion of the show. And today's guest is really going to inspire you guys because he has an amazing story that proves that any one of us that's listening to the podcast can duplicate this and have our dreams come true as well. My guest today is Kendall Fontenot. He is a self-made multimillionaire and an author. And there's more to this story as well. 
I'm going to introduce him to the show and we'll get into it. Kendall, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, first and foremost, everyone, uh, my name is Kendall Fontenot. Uh, I'm a 31-year-old self-made multimillionaire. Um, I got into the car business at the age of 20 years old uh, when I made my first million, actually. When I sold my first car when I was 17. Um, and now my dealership in Louisiana is the largest minority-owned five-year pay-here dealership. Uh, and I also have another dealership in Louisiana, which is a consolidated Louisiana as well. Um, I'm also into real estate. Um, I buy and sell properties. I have a lot of commercial property. I have a lot of um, residential property as well. And uh, now I just put out a book that was a bestseller uh, called The Good Life and How to Get It, How to Stack Papers the Legal Way. And it pretty much uh, talks about entrepreneurship. Uh, the beginning of it comes being as an autobiography of me, you know, breaking down my trials and tribulations. You know, how I want to be better in life because my mom, you know, she struggled. You know, I didn't grow up rich. I didn't grow up uh, with family members that were rich. Um, I pretty much grew up, you know, my mom living check to check. And she struggled and I wanted her to have a better life. So I made sure that I was able to provide a better life for her and retire her at an early age. So by the time I was seven, um, when I was in elementary school, I started selling pencils at school just to get a little money so that I could have my own money and my mom would have to give me money for snacks. You know, and then um, once I got into middle school, I started selling candy and chips and, you know, going forward. In high school, um, I opened up an e-commerce uh, website selling car audio and doing rims and tires and so forth. And then uh, once I got to college, I transitioned into uh, selling vehicles. And uh, selling vehicles was gave me my big breakthrough and which actually gave me a different life. Um, and I'm happy and blessed to be where I am. Of course, I couldn't be where I am without God. And I realized, you know, as long as you put him first, um, you will come first. And, uh, you know, the book, it goes on after me about what you need to do once you get to the turning point in life as an entrepreneur. Because as an entrepreneur, we all get to that point to where we don't know if we should go left, if we should go right, if we should stay straight. And sometimes, you know, we need a little guide. And at the end of the book, it gives you that push on how to jump over that hill, on how to climb that mountain once you get there. And so that's why the book is called The Good Life and How to Get It and How to Stack Paper the Legal Way. Because you can become successful by not just being a rapper or professional uh, sports player. You know, you can do it by being a successful and legitimate uh, business person. I love that you're saying that. And you know, your story of entrepreneurship is one that we hear over and over. You know, people start at a young age and it's kind of in their DNA, but you've taken it to the next level. And one of the last things you said, though, I want to pick up on this is you said sometimes they don't know whether to go left, right or go straight. What are some of the without giving away, you know, the the keys in the book, but what are some of the mistakes that people make sometimes when they're at that crossroad? Well, one of the most important things people need to realize in life is that they have two important times in their life. And they are when you're born and when you find out why you were born. Because when you find out why you were born, then you start living your purpose. And then you can start going and you can start completing the things that God put you on earth to do. Because in life, we all have God-given talents. It's something that you can do better than the next person. And you have to realize that. And when you realize that you can excel, you can achieve everything that he put you here to achieve. So that's why 
know, it's about it's about choices. It's about making the right choices in order to be successful. You know, because people need to realize that success is a choice. You have to want to be successful to become successful. Yeah, that- once you realize that, you'll be able to get to the next level. Yeah, I like that. You know what? Sometimes it's funny. Um, I see posts on Instagram and the, and people mean well. And a lot of people are just trying to inspire others. And they'll say, you need all these different streams of income and things like that. But um, correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of the times what I try to tell people is, why don't you just focus on one thing first and kind of master that and get that down before you go trying to add on too many streams of income? Is, is that one of the principles that you adhere to? Um, kind of mastering one's craft or, you know, that special thing that you're good at first and then adding on some other things? Exactly. And like, that's what I talk about in my book. You know, a lot of people always talking about not having all your eggs in one basket. But me, I'm a strong believer in that if you're good at something, you do it. You know, I like to refer to a Raising Cane Chicken Fingers, which is the restaurant here in Louisiana. I mean, y'all over now, but all they focus on the chicken fingers. They don't focus on uh, burgers. They don't focus on chicken nuggets. They don't focus on tacos. They focus on one main thing. And once you're good at something and you focus on it, you put all your time into it, you can achieve all the levels of it. You know, because once you spread yourself out too thin, you make this something and you can't put your all into it. If you don't put your all into it, you won't get all the good results. You got to leave what you put into something, what you get out of something. I like that. That makes a lot of sense. You know what? Uh, just focusing on that one thing, master it, nailing it down. Uh, the chicken fingers, <laughs> basically, um, that illustration of that restaurant. That that <laughs> you know when you think about it, you're right. You know, you go to some restaurants, and um, I like to watch these shows like Restaurant Impossible, stuff like that. Right? You walk in, the host walks in, he's like, "Man, okay, let me see the menu. That's the first thing. Let me see the menu." They got 50, 50, 60 items. He's like, no, we can't do that. That's why you're not winning. You got too many things going. Have one or two things that you're good at on the, on the menu. And and then from there, you know, we'll talk about expanding. I love that. I love that. That's it. You know what I mean? Raising canes, you know what I mean? They're a multi-million multi dollar company. And all they sell is chicken That's it. They don't focus on anything else. You know, you get a side of fries and, you know, pizza toast. But they're not focusing on the Whoppers, the Big Macs, the, the tacos, you know, um, just all of the different options. You just stick to that one thing and you excel from it. And you just take it to all the levels that you can take it to. Yup, and that's what you have to do. Anybody who's in business, you guys listening, if you have an idea and you're working on it, don't get sidetracked. Stay focused. That's what Kendall's trying to tell you right now. And take take the, take the advice from him. Yes. Stay focused. Like, I mean, if you were a professional, a professional sports player, you can't be a professional baseball player and a professional basketball player. You got to pick one or the other. You got to focus on either baseball or basketball. And you got to think, you got to think that way in business too. If you're a professional, you stick to one thing and you take it and you practice it, just like you were going to practice um, for sports, and you get better and better. Yeah, I like that. Actually, I saw a post um, from somebody I really respected who. Is, is an entrepreneur and they said you know no plan b you know just stick with plan a yeah. and, and work that plan a like, so. uh, you know I, I dropped out of college um and my mom she's she very very into school and uh she was very upset when i dropped out because she wanted me to have a fallback plan she said you know what if your business don't work what are you gonna do you know you need a degree and i said mom my plan b is to make plan a work but she said what i said plan 
me is to make plan A work. I said, I'm not going to fail. I'm going to do what I got to do to make it work. And when you have that focus and you're determined to do it, you're going to make it happen. Yeah, I love that. Uh, let's transition a little bit because you're dropping a lot of good advice. So let, let me tackle another subject that comes up a lot uh, with people, and that's fear. Sometimes, you know, they get a little nervous. They get scared. And I'm not what I'm not saying is they have to quit their job and dive in entrepreneurship full time. Not that kind of fear, but more so the fear of will I be able to handle the success the fear of, will I be able to make the right connections? Will I be able to make this business get up and off the ground? How do you overcome that? Because you went head on into an industry where, quite frankly, there's not a lot of people that look like you doing that type of business, but you were able to successfully navigate into it and come out on top. So what do you say to fear? You know, what people don't understand is every day we take chances. And I don't look at business and entrepreneurship, you look at business as fear. And you look at it as a chance. And just like every day you get up and start your car, you're taking the chance because what people don't understand is a vehicle is a bomb, it's a machine. I mean, you turn the key and it literally explodes. You need gas and fire to make the engine start up. But you're taking a chance on, on that engine exploding on you. It's the same thing with business. You have to step out on a leap of faith and you have to go for it. You know, I mean, you can't be scared and you can't have fear because you don't know what's on the other side of that door. You just have to know what you want to accomplish and you have to go out and do it. You know, because people don't tell you you can't do this, you can't do that. You know, that's all the time. But as long as in your mind, you think it's a good idea, you have to go with it and roll with it. Because, I mean, even walking across the street, you're taking a chance of being hit by a vehicle. You're taking a chance of something, you know, coming, you know, out of nowhere and hitting you. But life is about chances, you know what I mean? That's just what life is. So you can't look at it as a fear. You gotta look at it as a chance. You gotta look at it as a choice. Just like going back to being successful. Being successful is a choice. And if you want to be successful, you have to do what it takes to get there. You know, it's no such thing as working nine to five. It's work from when you wake up until you get it done. Because the next day, you have a lot of more things you have to accomplish and a lot more tasks you have to achieve. Because each day is a different journey. You know what I mean? One day you may be going left and then you have to go right to the following day. But if you have your end goal in mind, you can achieve that. Yeah. No, I was going to say what what you're saying, it makes so much practical sense that me listening, people listening, they're probably like, man, you know what? This is this is so simple. A lot of times I interview entrepreneurs. Why I'm kind of laughing is because at times I interview entrepreneurs, like I was saying, and the people get on here and they use all these big words and a lot of different language to try to impress. <laughs> but when you break it down, yeah, make it simple so we can understand. And the way you're doing it is it is great because everybody, I don't care what education level you have, you understand this conversation. It's going to make sense to you and you can walk away with some some value. So I appreciate it. Exactly. And, and you know, like, that's what people, people want to come up and they think business is like really, really hard. Business is not hard. It's the simple idea that go for When you try to think, you try to have a complex idea that just don't make it. You know, going back to the chicken finger. You know, you, got, you stick to one thing you roll with. You don't need chicken fingers, burgers, chicken legs, you know, barbecue chicken legs. You don't need all that stuff on the menu. You know, it's all simple stuff that, that, that keeps you rolling. 
You know, business is really, really easy. It's just about making a simple and easy choice, and you just go with it. You know, you keep your end goal in regard, you just keep your own with it. That's it. It's just that simple, guys. Now, I want to touch on one more thing. We've touched on focusing. We've touched on fear. I want to get your perspective on this. I'm really curious to see what you're going to say, because a lot of times people will tell you in business, do what you love, follow your passion. But in my experience, and sometimes you see other people say the same thing, it doesn't always have to be that way. Um, you could start a business that maybe you're not passionate about, you know, that's not really what you love to do, but it can be a successful business. So what do you think? Do you think we have to follow our passions, you know, turn our hobby into income or something like that? Or is it that you can start a viable business and you be, you start to love it? You know, me personally, um, I do things that I love doing, but I'm thinking on this front of business, you need to do something that you're good at. Because if you're good at doing it, you understand you can train somebody to run that business for you. And you can go off and do something else you like doing. But in order to have a successful business, if you don't enjoy it, you have to be real good at it. You know, a lot of people say you really need to enjoy what you do, because if you do, it's not like you work, you never work in a day in your life. Which... I do believe that, you know, because I, I enjoy what I do. Um, and I mean, I love it. You know, that's why I wake up in the morning, I go to work, and I work, and sometimes I go to sleep. But I don't call it work, you know. It's kind of like I'm doing a hobby because I'm actually having fun. You know, I enjoy going to the auction, buying people, getting back to my dealership, you know, getting with my team, make sure everything's in order, make sure being for the seller, you know, then going to a couple properties that I'm renovating, a couple properties that I'm building, you know, making sure my team there is good, you know, like I enjoy everything I do. So going forward, I personally think you just really need to enjoy what you do and something that you're good at. Because if you're good at it, you can get somebody else to do it. And in order to be successful, you have to duplicate yourself. Like, duplication is the key to success. You know, Walmart is the successful thing because they duplicated the process. You know, you go to Walmart in China, you go to Walmart in Louisiana, you go to Walmart in Chicago, you know, it's the same process of duplication. And that's what allows them to be successful. You know, the same thing with McDonald's. You know, it's the same process just duplication because they enjoy what they're doing and they were good at doing what they did so they were able to duplicate it and they became successful by doing it I love that illustration as well you're right uh, Walmart McDonald's Subway like you said you go into any of those places yeah it, it looks exactly the same I don't care where you're at you, you hit the nail on the head with that same thing yeah you know and, and that's what makes you successful duplication because you only can do so much yourself you know, at, at a point in your time, you're going to have to hire some people, you have to train some people to do what you're good at so that you can become successful at it. That makes perfect sense. Once, yeah, once you have the process down, you know, I mean, you can you can open up, you know, many businesses that you want, and you can do as many, as many things as you want. No, I totally get it. And, that, and that's the key to success and really taking it to the next level. You, let me ask you this in closing, because you've given us a, a lot of good advice, a lot of practical things. If people want to get this book and get more information from you that's just like this, how can they get the book? How can they get in touch with you?
All right. Kendall, thank you so much for your time. We know you got to run. We appreciate it. Guys, we're sorry about the background noise. I know you hear it, but we enjoyed this interview thoroughly. Kendall, thank you so much. Hey, Kendall, you know what? You've given us so much great information, practical tips and things that we can use. If people want to learn more, if people want to get in touch with you and get this book so they, they can get the full story and all of these tips, how can they reach you and get in touch? I can be reached on Facebook, Instagram, um, pretty much anywhere online. All you have to do is Google my name and uh, everything will come up uh, on Instagram. My username is Kendall Fontenot underscore. That's K-E-N-D-A-L-L-F-O-N-E-N-O-T underscore. Um, or if you want to reach me on Facebook, or you can reach me on Facebook at Kendall Fontenot. Um, also, you can just go to my personal website, uh, which is www.kendallbfontenot.com. Or um, if you just want to purchase my book, you can purchase it anywhere books are sold. Amazon, Apple Books. All right, it sounds great. Guys, get this book. The way Kendall breaks things down is simple, easy to understand, and as you can tell from his success, it's effective. Kendall, thank you so much for joining us on The Life of a Gentleman. No, thank you for having me here, and thank you for letting me highlight my book, The Good Life and How to Get It, How to Stack Paper the Legal Way. Well, guys, that's going to do it for this edition of the podcast. We are so glad you joined us. want to say a special thank you to our guest today. Special thank you to Dan. Special thank you to Kendall. And of course, my partner in crime, Dennis Stiles, for joining me on the show. If you have an idea, if you have a business that wants to be featured or you want to sponsor the show so that others can learn about your journey your entrepreneurship, get in touch. Do not be shy. This is not one of those shows where you just hear us and we're preaching to you. We want it to be interactive. We want to have your feedback. We want to keep the conversation going. So don't be afraid to reach out to us through direct message, through email, or leaving us a review on iTunes And of course, we encourage you, subscribe to the podcast. You know why? That way, you won't miss any episodes. They'll go right to your mobile device, and you can take us with you on the go, in the car, at the gym, at the office, however you like to listen, you can listen to the podcast. And now, we are on Spotify as well, so it's even easier to listen. Thank you to you, the listener. And guys, as always, stay stylish, stay living the gentleman's lifestyle, and as always, take care.